Dan and Isaac. Um, so guys, got got my bank of lights as I was telling you about. We're just going to wait wait for all the social media to, to uh, kick in. We're going to go properly live with uh, with the great AHDB with uh, with Isaac, and we've got our, our fantastic speaker today, Dan Sodergren, who's going to be talking to us about uh, who's the godfather of modern marketing. As we wait for all the socials uh, to, to catch up, Dan, um, you were um, was it you were hosting an awards dinner last night, were you? What 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 awards dinner was that? Well, that's a, that's a great question to start with. It was the Manchester Publicity Association. Uh, they are uh, about 2,000 uh, organisations in, in Manchester or 2,000 companies that are part of this umbrella organisation. They've been going for 100 years, actually, and uh, it was the 10th year of their award ceremony, and we were doing something uh, for the first time ever. They have a, a Best Place to Work award, and Ooh. so I was handing that out. But it did make me smile that it's taken them 100 years, uh, a decade, and uh, and COVID to suddenly realise that actually, in a global pandemic, to actually realise that, you know, places to work are pretty important and best places to work should be celebrated. So uh, it was it was, uh, it was lovely to be able to be there. And uh, yeah, I'm a great, yeah, I mean, I'm a great believer in what we're doing there. So uh, with your flock and other things. So it was, uh, it was fun. So today's a little bit, I might, you know, for the first couple of minutes, I might just be a little bit, uh, you know, jaded. Yeah, we, we, you know, have, 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 what, award ceremonies, they're, they're really interesting things. What's the weirdest, wackiest one that you've been to? Oh, good Lord, what's the weirdest, wackiest one I've been to? I've been to one. Yeah, that, no, actually, that's, that's not an award ceremony. So I'm just going to clear that out completely. I just realised that isn't an award ceremony at all. And I'll just talk about it even slightly. Um, so I'll get rid of that. I would say the there are five, lots of fashion ones are quite fun. When I've been to oh, fashion no. award things, yeah, they're interesting. And I always find that, um, without being too silly about it, I, I know it sounds awful, but the MPA ones are kind of legendary, legendary fun things to do. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Manchester Publicity Association. There you go. Really? I'll keep it on brand. Okay, because I said, when was it? It was a couple of weeks ago. We had um, uh, the, the Farmers Weekly Awards at uh, at, at the Grove. I, I didn't uh, attend, but Isaac, I think a number of your colleagues attended, didn't they? Uh, I'm not sure. If, so there must have been some uh, from from AHDB, and I know our CEO Tim Rycroft were there. Um, <clears throat> I've been to the Farmers Weekly many years ago in a previous life, and caught the milk train back home, and then went straight into lecture at college. So um, not to be recommended. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> So Dan, it's, it's always hilarious when a bunch of farmers descend on London. So you can imagine all these farmers in black tie going to the Grosvenor, um, sit, sitting down. And it's it's, it's a fantastic um, evening because there's 500, 600 people. And it's all about the community, community within within farming. But it's just letting farmers loose in London is hilarious because they just don't don't understand anything. And, and they I've, I've, seen, I've been with uh, with farmers in London in black tie on the tube. And, and Dan, they start talking to people on the tube. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's... <laughs> That instantly, yeah, exactly. And so it, you basically just terrify most of London as you're going through London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I met a farmer on the tube. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> right, come on, we're, we're, we're all lit up. Um, I, I, you, you lead us from your private members club <laughs> to where you are. Uh, can you give us a bit of background as to the AHDB and our fantastic Talking Leaders series, please? Isaac, over to you. Thank you, Max. Uh, yes, we um, are agri-leaders that I work for as part of AHDB. AHDB is a levy-funded organization, so paid for by farmers, working on behalf of farmers. We do various areas, uh, some knowledge exchange, research, marketing campaigns, uh, market intelligence, all of that. Uh, and specifically, the bit that I'm involved with as AgriLeader uh, is trying to help farmers to be better leaders and better managers of their uh, teams. So um, I'm very happy to have Dan here to talk us through some of the, the things that he does in that arena. 
Excellent. And Isaac, can you just show off about the great event that yourself and your esteemed colleagues organised uh, for us at AHDB last week with some uh, some, some major uh, YouTube and TikTok and Instagram influencers? Because that, that was brilliant. Can you just, just tell us about that, please? Yeah, so it was quite, quite a, a harebrained idea to try and get social media influencers from the world of farming all together in one room. Uh, herding cats um, then jumps to mind, but it, it went down really well, engaging with farmers, but also uh, engaging with consumers. Uh, and we've had over 43,000 people watch it across the various streams. So, um, you know, it was great fun uh, just talking about some different conversations and hopefully, you know, it'll be a regular thing and we'll um, find out and what people want to talk about and I want them to, to discuss and wills and you know set the world to rights in an evening on on a every month um talking about some uh, issues that's close to people's hearts so um yeah great fun with with all the different social media influences yeah well, well done all, all credit to, to the hdbt uh dad it was mad because there's a uh, seven eight of us in um one of the lovely rooms the hdb um, head, headquarters and and all the influencers had their own phones because we couldn't really work out the tech to stream everything from our live feed and and it's it's so it's, it's mad uh lots of jeopardy but but it worked really well so we're, we're going to do it and but the it was the impactful influence of the, that younger generation and also linking them up with the ahdb and talking about issues of the day um including marketing but also like really important things like uh, me mental health because it's a big issue within within farming so it worked, worked really well so so come on guys let Let's get Major on Dan, because that's why we brought uh, Dan on. Just for the, the, the sake of, uh, especially the people on the podcast, I just want to give a bit of a background as to, to Dan, the godfather of modern marketing. So we've already explained about uh, the AHDB, and it's great to have um, Dan on. Dan's the co-founder and CIO of Your Flock. Dan is a TEDx talker, keynote speaker, ex-marketing agency owner, digital trainer, serial tech startup founder, and now media spokesman. Um, his main area of interest is the future of work, remote work, data, green tech, and tech startups. He's co-founder of www.yourflock.co.uk. And Dan, we'll stick all that on the, on the tags a little bit later. Uh, and they are a team of engaged platform uh, based on values. In his spare time, as well as being a dad, Dan is a digital marketing and technology expert for the BBC, donning the cape of consumer champion on shows like BBC Watchdog, the One Show and Rip Off Britain and being a market tech specialist for super shoppers and real fake and unknown. He's also hosts and guests on podcasts and webinars and also award dinners and also loves speaking <laughs> as a futurist, as well as being a guest on countless radio shows and a remote reporter, content creator for tech companies at tech events and shows. His main interest is the future. <laughs> Wow. As we're talking about in our green room, we, we, we all need to know what's going to be happening in the future. Be that the future of marketing or the future or work um, on technology and how technology will change the world for the better under the hashtag tech for good and the hashtag tech for all movement. Dan, was that a good summary or anything to add? It was, I, I literally have nothing to add. I was born in 1976. I think we've pretty much covered almost everything there. It's uh, right. Goodbye. I'm going to use that recording forever. That was, the, that was like the best thing that's ever been said about me. Thank you very much. Very kind. Um, no problem. Yeah, I, I do have the joy of being a, a futurist. I was just joking the, the other day uh, with, a, with a friend and also at the award ceremony as well, that, you know, futurism is, uh, or being a futurist is quite interesting, but actually <laughs> it's because I did stuff earlier than everybody else did it. 
So like I did augmented reality stuff like 15 years ago, which is, wow. far, which is far too early in the hype curve to actually make any money from doing it. So you've got to remember, you know, Google was the 23rd search engine and then it made all the money. You don't remember who the first search engine was because of course, uh, you know, they, 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 they were most probably tech futurists. Uh, my point big is, is tech futurism is great, but if I was, uh, if I was as my mum always says, if I was really that good, I'd be sitting on a beach. Uh, so, you know, so uh, you know, <laughs> yes. tourism is fine, but you know, it's uh, it's always. I, sometimes I do wonder about. I've had the joy of being right about lots of stuff, but I think sometimes I'd rather be rich than be right. But uh, but that's a, that's a different point entirely. Yeah, and uh, do, do you, rather than people just blindly asking you who's going to win the two fifteen at Fontwell next Thursday, which must be re really annoying as as a futurist. But I, I absolutely get your your place. And because as the as the older and grumpier that Isaac and I get, uh, Isaac, I hope it's okay. I'm kind of bring you into this one. Speak for yourself, Matt. Uh, uh, as, as well, you, you see the cycles of, especially within business, as to what works, what doesn't work, and also identifying um, good leaders and, and, and poor leaders. And, and that's that's why we're really keen to get you on, Dan, so we could just learn from you, from your your, your outside learnings, and, and how we can bring that into our audience within within agriculture. So, with future gazing in mind, what what excites you in the world of work um, in, in, in general general at the moment, Dan? What can we look forward to? What what, what do you think? Well, I mean, we're, we're living through times of revolution, like whether we um, whether we see that or not. And I think this is the key bit. Like if you're sitting there or listening and thinking, oh, I'm not sure this is a time of revolution. Believe you me, this is a time of revolution. This is a time where we will look back in 10 years time and say that's when everything started to change in a huge way. So we've got the you've got you've got the great resignation or the great reshuffle or the great whatever you want to call it. You know, you've got lots of people now that are looking at their lives in a very different way post pandemic. Yeah. And that's there's almost not one area where there isn't a revolution happening. Um, and because of you know, you're looking at the incision of technology and political and economic stuff all happening at the yeah. same time. This is a. It's much, you know, I think the Chinese say that you know, we live in interesting or may we live in interesting times. And I must confess, before the pandemic, I presumed because I've got a few things right that I could kind of guess the future. And I thought I could do, you know, and believe me, it's a tech futurist. It's not just a, I'm not a, <laughs> not a futurist as in what's going to happen to you tomorrow, I'm afraid, or personally. It's not, I'm not a psychic. I don't even believe the idea. Um, but anyway, but you can kind of predict stuff what would happen. But of course, the black swan event was, was COVID and the pandemic. And that accelerated everything so quickly. So I used to do stuff around digital transformation for, for large organizations and for companies around the country and then around the world. And we talked about these concepts, but those concepts now are in the past. So the idea of you know, remote working, the idea of hybrid working, the idea of, of breaking down jobs, the idea of bringing in AI and data and 5G and all these things I was talking about five years ago, they're happening right now. Yep. So the revolution for every industry is happening right now. It's happening in health tech. It's happening in everything, you know, everywhere else it's happening. So agriculture, I mean, I, you know, we're going to talk about this maybe a bit later on as well, but agriculture is at a moment of immense quick change. I think my mate Tom Cheesewright says it brilliantly. He talks about high frequency change and he talks about the fact that we've just got to get used to the fact and become more resilient about the fact everything's changing really quickly. And I yeah. think actually agriculture might be a couple of years behind. But you might be noticing now that things are starting to happen quite quickly. But believe you me, this is this is the slowest it's ever going to change. That's the key thing I want you to remember. <laughs> it's the slowest it's ever going to change. So if you're thinking right now, oh, heck, things are moving quickly. People are changing. The world's changing quickly. This is the slowest it's going to be. OK, so, so a, a question. Hold on, Isaac. I've got to ask a question. Um, so, Dan, should we be excited or worried about the future? Well, it, it really depends where you are, doesn't it? So... 
if you are, I mean, you've got to have a growth mindset. Like yeah. all this stuff is internal. Yeah. So everyone always talks to me about technology, but actually the technology piece isn't the exciting piece. The actual exciting piece is human beings. Yeah. It's human yeah. beings. Doing, it's like, for example, we're doing this now over technology, over a Zoom. Zoom calls are now, we do it all, yeah. the, all the time. You ask people, I mean, I was doing Zoom calls five years ago, you know, and people didn't, people was like, oh no, you've got to come down to London. We've got yeah, to have yeah, a face-to-face yeah. -face meeting. We've got to do that because that's how you do it. Yeah. Really bad for the environment, really bad for yeah, loads yeah, of things, yeah. but it's just the way it was done. Just like doctors said, they, there was no way that doctors could see you using your mobile phone yeah, four yeah. years ago. They actually refused to do it. Yeah. Now, instantly do it. And now they're all going, oh my God, there's so many savings we've made because of it. And it's like, but it's, what I'm trying to say is that te technology is not the trigger anymore it's now people now if you're a technologist that's why it's so exciting yep. because it's actually other people seeing the technology and using it using it that's the bit yeah and so isaac um dan said a really interesting thing that he, he felt feels that agriculture is a couple of years behind the rest of the sectors what's your view of that of that comment isaac um i think certainly it's, it's come on uh, greatly in the last few years but um I think, and I've, I heard a very interesting uh, quote uh, by a guy called um, Jesse Sostren, and he said, stay at the intersection of influence and impact. And you've got to be, you know, so you, you can't go too far down, if, a bit like Dan was saying, about, you know, so if, if uh, Google were the first one, they might not have been as successful. So it's that, that intersection between influence and impact. So yeah. it'll be quite interesting to hear your thoughts on that, Dan. Yeah, and just to clarify that, because I didn't want to put Isaac in a hole. I think, Dan, you're spot on. I think agriculture is, is some five, ten years behind other, other food sectors, um, especially on, on terms of marketing. If you, if you walk into a, a supermarket and you look at the, the brand awareness of, of key power brands and you look at, uh, we were talking about it on some filming we did yesterday, that six out of ten kids don't know where um, fresh produce or, or, or where fresh product comes from. And, wow. and that's another whole, whole debate. But that's us as a sector being bad at influencing the consumer whilst other um, uh, power brands and power foods and, and not particularly good have been very good at influencing the, the consumer. So I, I think with all this tech and all this change that's coming through, if we're positive about it, there's so much more that we can do. But Dan, we need to learn from you. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's not um, it's not in a kind of right. So, so I've got to be careful with words, but basically, I'm only really good at one thing. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at marketing. I'm pretty good at technology, and I'm pretty good. I'm a relatively good dad. So maybe that's three things. Okay, I'm I'm being being mean to myself. Is maybe it's three things, and I occasionally can pull out a nice metaphor. So maybe that's four. I'm pretty good on the radio. Anyway, the point being is is that really my expertise is not in agriculture. So I, I can't stay in. I know it's one of those moments where I'm like I'm very excited about what's happening in your sector only because I don't see it from your sector's point of view, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm away from it. So I can look at it and go, oh my God, the potential for data in agriculture yeah. is so scary. It's hilarious. Yeah. And the potential for literally, I mean, logarithmic change. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it's literally, it could be insane, but of course you've got to get people to do it. Now the problem you're going to have, and this is why, you know, opportunity problem, you know, same words, all those kind of things that people talk about. This is the growth mindset moment. Yeah. If you aren't careful, then what will happen is technology companies will become farmers. Okay, farmers won't take on technology, but technology farm so technology companies will become farmers. They'll go into agriculture, and they'll do it relatively quickly, and they'll do it very easily without any friction because they don't know they don't know not to. Also, if you aren't protected by it, if you haven't a if you don't have a defensible moat apart from knowledge, then you're in trouble because you know you look at taxi drivers with Uber. 
you know, the knowledge was meant to be the thing. We can't be beaten because we've got the knowledge of the local area. Well, actually, knowledge doesn't mean anything now. Technology yeah. does. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to scare anyone on the call, but I'm just saying you've, you've got to be really open to the fact that unless you take on the technology, unless you change, yeah. someone else will do it. But that someone else might not be your competitor as a farmer. You might not ever see them coming. Yeah. If you do a SWOT analysis, uh, what opportunities are in your threat box and what threats are in, op in your opportunity box? So, you know, that's we will always talk about some doing a SWOT analysis and looking at the strengths, weaknesses, etc. But you know, it's, it's which is opportunities is actually threats and, and vice versa. It's, it's really interesting you say that because I was just working with uh, like last month with the Royal Agricultural University um, because I do some work for them. I have done for uh, their, their patron is now King, King Charles. I can say that now. There you go. Their patron's King Charles. It's probably the first time I've said King Charles. Actually, I don't know if I meant a salute or not there, to be fair. Sorry, my apologies. If you are listening, uh, King, I, I apologize. He always starts it. Yeah. yeah, but I, I thought he might be dropping in. You know, he loves he loves a bit of social media. That's not really the point. Um, <laughs> so so from a from the Royal Agricultural University, we were we were talking about SWOT analysis of their business ideas, but also PESTLE, you know, PESTLE with the political I think it's political, economic, social, technology. And that T is the big one for you guys. You know, the P is important because it's political, but the T is really important to technology. And I can I'm not guarantee you, but because I've done quite a bit of work with the Royal Agriculture University, and I've, they, you know, they're, they're two years or two decades, you should say, they're two decades, you know, younger than I am. The things they're coming up with, I don't get because I'm too old to get it. But it, like things like soil sensors, and yes. how to use biometric things and how to do vertical farming and how to do farming inside, you know, which uses 95% less water and all these things they're yeah. thinking about doing now. So I can only guess that that's the future of farming based on yeah. the fact I get to know these young people. So my other bit of advice on the call is listen to your team and listen to the young people on your team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are most probably, I think as uh, Paul Cothello says, you know, you know, the next generation, they, they inhabit a house that you'll never visit. You might think you do, but actually you don't. So if you're like me and you're pretty, you know, and I'm going to say old is older than 40. Sorry, everyone, but old, I'm not saying it's middle age, but it's old. Um, you've got to start listening to 20 year olds. They might not be right about everything, but they might be right about robotics. Yeah. Because you might not have a clue because you haven't seen the TikTok Absolutely. video from China. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the reality. Yeah. And, and, and just to segue back a little bit, you, you were saying about bigger companies coming into this, this sector. They're already here. So in, in, in America, and I won't nominate them, but people will, will, will know who I'm talking about. There's, there's a very large communications company that diversified into, into agriculture and have been acquiring software businesses um, globally uh, to create a, a one-stop shop. So they're, they're already coming in. And then just to give my example that Isaac's already heard on a previous broadcast, but just to give you an understanding that um, within, within the UK, a, a lot of farmers still don't have a, a decent um, uh, software system for the, for the farm. Um, a, a business near us, a farming business near us, bought a um, £450,000 uh, combine. It's a huge piece of tech and it's an amazing uh, piece of engineering. And that comes live um, with, with an app so that either the operator or the uh, the, the farmer, um, the, the farm manager can see in real time how well that combine is performing and you can download all the information. You can see if there's any issues. That, um, this particular farmer um, uh, he got that app for free for one year, having bought this £450,000 uh, combine. The second year, he didn't renew the app. It cost £350 because it was too expensive. Because it was too expensive, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. So, so, so there is a bit of a, um, a disconnect. But yeah, going going back to your, your great analogy about about the, the younger generation and Isaac and everyone dialed it, 
Darlene, we know lots of examples of a, of a farm that's been progressing well, but then the next generation's come in and taking it to the next level because they've looked at diversification, they've looked at ag tech, they've looked at um, collaborations, yeah. uh, they've looked at um, partnering up with external people. So, so absolutely, Dan, you're on the money. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the future. This is what the revolution's about, though. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the... it's about the internal stuff. You know, it's about it's, there's a lot of internal work that people have got to do, but we've got to be a bit careful because... This kind of, as, as I talk about on my in my TED talk, uh, I don't like to talk about it, but my TED. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Little job there. Yeah. The TED talk. I don't know. I just have done. Anyway, uh, the, it's all about the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. 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 And and, and the fourth industrial revolution. People kind of gonna, they think it's quite a twee term, and it is, I suppose. But if you if you really understand the depth of what that means, because like we are literally living through the fourth industrial revolution. The problem. Tell with us. This... We want to know. Tell us. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, the problem. Okay. So. So you'd, I'll, I'll go back to the original. So let's look at like something like steam power. Yeah, that's the first industrial revolution. Then you look at things that were like the assembly lines, which they think the second industrial revolution because it all became more efficient. Now remember, the second one is just that's just a mental process. That's just a, a way of doing something which is better. The third one is computing, and into that you most probably put the internet uh, because you can. And again, you know, think about it. The companies that didn't, or organisations that didn't use computers years ago. They were replaced by ones who did. Yeah. Then the companies that didn't use the internet were replaced by companies that did. And now this fourth industrial revolution, it's not just things like cloud computing, mobile devices, apps that you're talking about, a 3D printing, smart sensors. It's all data-driven, AI. It's all this stuff, but it's actually the fact it's coming together at the same time. The fourth industrial revolution is really data and AI. Just no one wants to admit it yet. But what it really is, is that the computers themselves don't have to become self-aware for this to happen, by the way. Your farm is a huge amount of data that you're not collecting, but your, like, your online bookstore is a huge amount of data that other people weren't collecting until Amazon started collecting it. Yeah. And then they became one of the most powerful companies in the world based on the data that they farmed. Yeah. Now, farming is the same thing, except you're building a product, and I'm going to say product rather than crops, but you're building a product and you can find out trillions of bits of data points but there's no way a human being can make that call yeah. because it's too complicated yeah. so yeah. you can either go well, i'm going to go with my knowledge my internal knowledge and my guts on this and therefore i'll be successful or you widen it out to a data point and you learn and you use technology like it's a bit like like a washing machine yeah now if you are old school you can say well i take my washing down to the river and that's how i do it yeah because i'm clever and i've always done it like that the problem being is is you can't run a laundrette by taking it down to the river, which is why the washing machine exists. Yeah, and that, not, that's not by the way, it's not the reason why a washing machine exists, but that's I can <laughs> I digress massively onto that one, so I'm not going to I'm not going to rant. But even, but think about it. Even the technology trigger of the washing machine then created massive opportunities and political change because technically you could argue, and I do argue against this and for it, that then gave women more time because they weren't doing stuff in the house, which then could have been part of the suffragette movement. Yeah. You can do the same thing with the printing press. The printing press technically created information. Yeah. And, 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 and Dan, Dan, you're on the on the money again. I, I won't nominate them, but earlier this week we did a broadcast with a with a company that's uh, that's gained 50 million US of funding, um, and they have the technology to uh, deploy sensors into greenhouses and vertical farms, and it, their technology can identify if there's an issue 
24 seven, uh, whether that be a pest problem, whether that be a subset problem, whether that be an irrigation problem, whether that be a temperature problem, and automatically um, fixes it. Um, and they don't want to go out into open agriculture at the moment because uh, there's just too many data points over there, but within a closed environment. So it's already coming, uh, but yeah. the, the biggest, oh, oh, we'll give it, give it another example, automatic milkers. Um, with, so within farming, one of the, uh, the, the hardest things about milking is it you physically have to milk the cows uh, two times, three times a day. But the technology is here now where they're automatically milked. But one of the, um, uh, the the companies, Dutch company that invented that technology, the biggest problem that they had was convincing the farmer to give up milking because the, the farmers were saying to them, well, what That's would I do job. with my time? Yeah, so exactly. Isn't that my job? Yeah, 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 yeah no, exa no, exactly. That's the thing, because it's the same thing we, with your flock. We, we help team leaders become better team leaders because we use data points and feedback loops and these kind of things. Anyway, that's a, I'm, it's not an advert for your flock, but we have the exact same thing. Office managers and middle managers start panicking because they're like, well, what will I do? And it's like, well, you'll do the human side of your job more because you've got yeah. the data. So actually, you're, you know, the stuff you're not doing, like you're not looking at employee brand enough, you're not talking to people enough, you're not doing enough one-to-ones, you're not getting to know the team enough, but that's actually your job. Now, you know, yeah. if, you, if you think that my job is milking the cow, that's a mindset problem, isn't it? So what you might do is have to stay back, stand back and go, actually, my job is to work on the business which milks the cows. Yeah. Well, that's a different proposition. And I'm not here, by the way, to, to uh, I mean, leadership, we can talk about leadership in a bit, but I think that's the new kind of forms of leadership. You've got to really look inside yourselves a bit more than perhaps we've been used to. And certainly, um, I mean, I, I invested in your flock because I'm not particularly emotionally intelligent. So so I actually needed it myself so I could help the team. Sorry, Isaac. Go, go Isaac. I was going to say it's a great quote that I heard is uh, when, when you're in that position, you know, leadership or management positions, is that connectivity is, is not part of the job. It is the job. It is really. And that's, that's the only way you get teams to, and, and companies and farms to, to, to work is, is having that connectivity. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's exactly it. That is the job. You know, and that, that, that's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that in a, I'm going to say that tomorrow and pretend that I came up with it. So there you go. That's how mean I am. I'm going to steal it. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll quote you at least once. I'll say, well, I, I know a very wise man. I, I, He's a wonderful fellow. And I met him. He said this. <laughs> to stop any lawsuits, I, I better say it's from uh, Jesse Sostren, who's the, uh, what is he, global head of um, people at Salesforce. So, so now I can't oh. even take credit for it. Isaac is name dropping today. Sorry, Isaac is name dropping today, Dad, I was saying. Oh, well, I can't fault you. If you're going to sit there in a members club, you might as well name drop. You know, it's very much the background. I like that. So, so come on, Dan, what, what, ex we, what sorry, Isaac, um, Dan, what, what excites you about from what you're learning from different industries that we can transpose, we can, through a process of osmosis, we can bring into um, the, 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 the farming and agricultural sectors? What, what, where do you think that there's going to be some really interesting links to bring over? Well, you know, the, the future of everything, you know, you know, I've got to be careful again with words. This is a mean name dropping. It's William Gibson. The future is everywhere, but it's just unevenly distributed. Um, I think I've done yeah. a really bad job of doing I think yeah, the actual quote, I think, is something like the future is everywhere. It's just an even, it's just unevenly distributed. It's not, yeah, it's even undistributed yet. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That, one, that, that, that whole thing. Anyway, the point being is, is look around the world. Yeah, if you look around the world, now not even, I mean, if you look around the world just in agriculture, you can look around the world and you can see that Britain, I'm afraid, isn't ahead of the game. So there's a couple of very quick wins anyway, just by looking in your sector. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty easy to do. And I would I definitely look at that kind of stuff. I mean, if we're talking about individual technologies rather than just mindsets, I think you've got things like, I mean, just the ones that are going to happen quite soon are things like drones. 
like I don't know how many people at the moment are using drones in their technologies. I, I don't know how many farmers are using drones. I don't, I don't have the stats around it. But I mean, drones and robots and data are your, are your quick wins in the next five years um, from a tech point of view, but only because they're being used by other people. And, they're, and so therefore the price point drops. So as the price point drops, you know, if you're in the, technically you can argue that farming's logistics in some of it, and you look at logistics companies, well, you, you look at the, probably the world, world's most famous logistic company and see what they're doing, and you've got half your answers already. Uh, you've just got to have the mindset of going, oh, I'm going to look outside myself and I'm going to look at something else. Like, you know, your job as the business leader might be to start being, like with your flock, I'm the CIA, which is the chief innovations officer. My job is to look for different technologies and different bits where we can leverage stuff as a company. And we're a tiny startup, uh, but we already know that CIOs, and that's a really important role. So really, as the boss of the business, you might want to put a little CIO hat on occasionally and think, right, I'm going to spend an hour now just to have a look. You know, what are the, what are the Chinese doing? Because the Chinese are using 5G, like, like, you know, like, you know, like what it is, which is the fourth industrial revolution. It's like, not, it's a bit like not using steam when steam happened or not using the water, like not using canals when the canals happened. It's like sitting there going, I don't believe in canals. You don't have, well, tough poo because they exist. So you yeah. you're not in a position to say, I don't believe in them. So things like, I mean, again, I, I went on lots of government organizations and talked about 5G quite a while ago. I think one of the things we haven't done in this country, we haven't, uh, invested enough into our infrastructure um, from a data point of view. And I think that's going to hamstring us in the next few years. I won't do any anti anything uh, rants about this or rants about this, but I will say that, you know, if we look to, if we looked at data as important as we look at roads, which we should do, because actually it's more important than roads. Yep. Data is more important. You know, being connected is more important than having a road to your farm, actually having a 4G or 5G connection in your farm is going to be more important, almost more important. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you know, if you can't get the you can't get the multiple data points without a way of carrying that data, and that's what five yeah. G does. And no, it doesn't kill bees. I was just on Scottish radio talking about this the other week. Um, you know, it, it doesn't. If, if anything kills bees, actually, it's three G that kills bees because five G is a different hyper frequency. Okay. So it doesn't. It, well, I know, but you know, but my point is, you know, and you know, protect the bees. Don't get me wrong. Save the bees. I'm a great believer. I'm a huge environmentalist, and I started an eco company. 25 years ago so i'm totally behind all the stuff doing stuff in hemp so it's not like i'm a you know a technologist that believes that we should destroy the planet it's just that if you are going to take advantage of the fourth industrial revolution you have to have the technology pieces in, in there you must probably i mean I, I know it sounds ridiculous but i'd even start looking at you know how do you as individual businesses get 5g to where you are i you know and, and i know that scottish farmers in shetland and other places are already doing this so you know yeah. even in england we're doing it it's just not doing it everywhere or you, you could say Starlink, and um, and yeah. I, 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 Isaac, we made the the the, the comment about um, Africa that um, you can go through Africa if you stay on the on the main roads and get three G all the way through. So they've just um, they've just just gone above landlines. They've never had line, yeah. landlines. So no, 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 they just yeah, absolutely. And so and so again, this is the thing. So you, you know, you say developing countries or whatever. It's a bit like um, I don't know if you know about Estonia and how amazing Estonia is for its connectivity. Yeah. yeah. But there are places in the world now, and literally, and I go to them because I obviously have the joy of working with lots of different companies. And it's quite embarrassing sometimes because you go and you presume that they're going not to be as good as we are in technology, and they are ten years ahead. Yeah. Now, ten years ahead in technology is terrifying because that's like a hundred human years. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't be this behind places like China if we want to be able to compete in a global market. Yeah. You know, yeah. because you know, you go to Shanghai, it's terrifying how far ahead yeah. they are. 
So, so um, Isaac, just segueing it to you, you've just um, um, signed up to do your Nuffield Scholarship. What, what I'm get, getting a, a view from Dan is, is that we need to be curious. We need to go explore our sector or the sectors that we're, we're, we're in, because perhaps the answers aren't going to come to us. We've actually got to go find the answer. And deploying the likes of um, the Nuffield Scholarship, um, Dan, I'm sure you, you know of it. It's a brilliant scholarship scheme that runs throughout um, UK agriculture or the Worshipful Company of, of, of Farming. Isaac, what's, what's your view? Do you think I'm, I'm, I'm correct, Dan, Dan's, Dan's uh, premise is correct, that we need to be curious and perhaps we need to find our own answers for our own businesses? 100%, sir. I think you know, it's, it's, it is ultimately it's an early way we'll survive this a great graph of, you know, it's a little circle here of my comfort zone and then a big circle there where the magic happens. And, you know, so we all like being in our comfort zone, but, um, you know, if, we, if we're going to achieve anything as an industry or as a society or whatever, so we need to be where the magic happens. And I think that's exactly what you're describing there, Dan. It's, it's kind of finding it. It's not going to come to us. And, and, and Dan, obviously, the next thing, it's all very well having that tech. The, the, the better businesses that we see out there have got um, fantastic leaders. You, you mentioned the likes of uh, Tesla, and I'm sure everyone's dialing in to, to hear the, um, the eclectic story of, um, of Mr. Mr. Musk. And one thing I've, I've learned from having various people from Tesla on on our various uh, broadcasts is, is how he's, he's inspiring within his business. And, and people want to work from him for him rather than a, than a Goldman Sachs leaders Dan, talk to us about leaders so we we get the tech bit we need to be we need to go out there and be curious to find the, the potential answers how do we become better leaders or how do we source better leaders to take the businesses further forward well you know the key uh, point there max is it's it's you know the days of management are over you know it's no longer managing right. if you're just managing then i think you're, that's the problem and I do love the fact that the word managing is always used. You know, we're just managing. Well, think about that as a sentence. We're just managing is not a forward-thinking, progressive company. You're just managing. You know, it's just like saying, well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just, we're surviving. No, nah, this is a time for thriving. You can't be just surviving, yeah? So I think leadership is key. As in, there's a couple of things you could take, you can really take home. I think you could really, if you haven't read loads of books around it, please do Google stuff. But start thinking about servant leadership which I know from many people might be a bit cringy. You might be like, well, my, my job is the boss. And my job is to, you know, I'm leading from the front and I'm the boss and da, da, da. But actually, you're, a friend of mine said this to me about 20 years ago, and I wish I'd listened to him more. And he now runs a very, very successful agency. And he said, actually, his job was to create a positive company culture. That all, that was all his job was, was just to, wow. not to lead from the front, but to actually lead from the back and actually just listen to his team and create a positive company culture. Because when you create that company culture, then people will be curious. People will go out and find stuff. People will be proactive, but they're only proactive. And again, I don't want to start waxing too lyrical, but this thing called psychological safety. And if all these are kind of new concepts to you, like psychological safety and, and company you know, and employee engagement things, you've got to start learning about that stuff. You've got to start asking for feedback from your team. You've got to start getting rid of the idea that you're doing it by yourself. You know, it's everybody on the same team collaborating together with the boss or the leader, I would think, not leading from the front. So we kind of need a new word because leader always yeah. implies leading everybody. But actually, you're really you're facilitating everyone to greatness. The other thing you've got to think about, and again, I won't, I'll try not to rant about it, but diversity is key with this, yeah? Diversity of thought is key when it comes to creating uh, decent company cultures. And, and you might think, well, you know, a farm isn't a company. Well, let's just say organizations, yeah? But, you know, a great stat, I think I finished with this stat with, um, oh, when I did my TED talk, and I think it was, oh, that's it, exactly it, right? So 
the difference between a bad company culture and a great company culture, yeah, those businesses make four or five times the amount of money. Yeah. So the companies that have, which is why things like Tesla now exist, and then they're, they're now this kind of, they're massive companies, and it's because they had great company cultures, and they grew really quickly. They employed the right talent, but talent wanted to work with them. Yeah, yeah. You could, you could definitely argue that's because Elon Musk is amazing and blah, 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 and a great PR, and I'm not going to get into the, you know, conversation, is, is Elon Musk really a Bond villain? Because I think he might be, but that's a different point in time. <laughs> I mean, come on. He owns the boring company. They make tunnels under the ground. He wants to go to the moon. I mean, come on. It's just a Bond. This is, this is, this is, you know, we, this is why I thought we had James Bond. You better get rid of these people. Anyway, it's like Moonraker on steroids. And even the solar panel thing, I don't trust. And the rockets. I mean, come on, one person shouldn't have all these things. Anyway, it's not the point. But to create these amazing companies, he has to have an amazing team around him. Yeah, He must have several thousand amazing teams. But he knows he can't talk to all of them individually. So you've got to empower people to be autonomous and have mastery and purpose, which is, again, his great Daniel Pink book. You know, it's about drive. And then you've got to leave them to do their work. Yeah, you've got to leave them to do the work. Now, as I was just talking about before, I promised I won't rant, so I'll try not to, but slight rant. And that is the diversity of thought piece is really important. It's not just diversity around age and around race and around gender and all these things. It's actually diversity of thought because diversity of thought drives innovation. Yeah, Google, you can Google all this stuff, but you know, they think it's something like if you have a diverse board, you, you're 21% more profitable uh, because of innovation. Yeah, now, you know, if you want to make a bit more money, that's how you do it. You make sure the next people you hire aren't the same as you. Yeah. Because having really. people that are the same as you, it's just groupthink. And we know what happens with groupthink. Groupthink creates a problem. Mon in fact, we know from farming, you know, monoculturalism. You know, you know yep. <laughs> monoculturalism is bad. It takes all the stuff out of the soil. You can't grow stuff afterwards. It's a bad yep. thing to do. We know it in nature. We know it around the world, but we're, I'm always amazed in business. We then don't take that on board enough. We don't realize that actually, employing friends of friends won't necessarily be good in the in the long run and if it's a family business and you all know each other by the way be scared of any company that says we're like a family because that's actually a lack of boundaries and a lack of series of other things which is, should be a red flag if you say that we're like a family but sorry to anyone who's, who's a family business you can be a family business and be very and be very profitable and be very professional i just say that you shouldn't always hire cousins because that's not always the yeah, yeah, to yeah. do. It's, yeah. it's just diversity. The diversity, I'm going to say, it's not from a political point of view. It's not even a moral point of view. It's actually, bang, you know, literally, you make more money if you are diverse in yeah. your company. Yeah. Isaac, views? So now I've, I've heard something uh, that says cultures moved out of the organisation, out of the boardrooms, out of the uh, um, organograms, is moved into the teams. And I think that's but what you've said there, Dan. It's it's you know it's the people that makes it, and it's the companies that recognise that it's the people that drive the companies uh, that are going to thrive in the future. Yeah, I, and can, can I can I just give my example? Innocent drinks. So innocent drinks. So they were set up by three three marketing uh, gurus who wanted to um, do do something different and do some good. Um, and they created that that culture. So Dan, I love that that bit about um, about uh, the 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 job of a leader is to create create that culture. They were getting at one point uh, four thousand applications um, a month unsolicited to uh, for people to work work for them. So they they managed to pick the best of the best yeah. to to take take the business um, further forward. Then it successfully was uh, sold to uh, Coke okay. three, three years, which which is a, which is another story. But then um, over here, I've got a, an example of. Um, of, a, of a, a particular individual who keeps on dropping into into companies, he has to have the personalised parking spot. He has to have the the board um, 
physical board level in 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 the building and only board individuals can uh, enter that portion of the of the of the building um and he keeps on uh failing within those 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 businesses and wonders why he keeps on failing because no one wants to work for him i am the leader uh, no, no you're not because no one wants to be led by you they're, they're all going <laughs> off to work for innocent drinks absolutely i mean you know and that is that is the key thing so that's why i always talk it's all about people yeah at the end of the day it's all about people because technically that's what companies and organizations are just the people we sometimes forget because we get very so excited about all the rest of it i mean you know, go back in the day. The reason why companies exist, you know, we were all sitting around fires for crying out loud. We were tribal for a bit. Then we were teams. Then there was companies. But the, the whole point of being is it, you have to be likable enough for you to be successful because it's actually your people that make you successful. It's, it's that way around. You don't make the people successful. Your people make you successful. Now, I personally think, because I'm a bit of a hippie, this ties into happiness. And if you can make your people more happy and more content and more engaged at work, then you'll become more successful as well. And there are, I could say, I'm very happy to send you all the stats on that being true. Um, I think we've gone past now the um, the times where, you know, my dad would have said, you know, you're not meant to be happy at work. That's why you're at work. That's why they pay you. You know, actually, yeah. to be fair, he never, he never said that. He was a vicar. He never said that. I just made up the fact that he could say it. But anyway, the point being is, is but, you know, but old school gentlemen might say, you know, that's why you get paid because, you know, we pay you. You're not meant to like work because we pay you. But of course, the next generation won't do that. The next generation won't listen to any of that nonsense. They'll go and work for somebody else. Yep, yep. And, and also now, one thing that we're, we're definitely seeing, Dan, is that um, we, we think there's, there's going to be a downturn of, um, of rec recruitment because of everything that's going on. Um, training and development. There's a fantastic graph, I've got to find it again, uh, from Cranfield University, showing that those companies that invest in training and development of, of their teams and this is from everyone all, all, all the way through. Those that invest into the team, the far better uh, increased turnover and far better profitability and far better staff retention. So our, our, our sector, again, is slightly behind, but there's a lot of organisations looking to help upskill, train within within the sector. So training and development is uh, is really key for us in our sector as well. And I'm, I'm guessing, Dan, you'd be a firm believer of that, of that training, of that development with the businesses that you're involved with. Well, you know, without being silly about it you know if you don't train your staff then they'll leave one of the biggest reasons why people leave is is being a bad boss or being a bad leader but yeah. the second one is lack of career development and career progression because you know and this always makes me smile because i was talking to um it's in marketing and marketing agency but still it's the same principle and they had a really good point which was what they say to people is you come to work for us and we'll make you a star yeah because because their whole point is yeah i want you to go on linkedin i want you to go on social media i want you to have a personal brand i want you to become bigger than the company and become famous yeah now for some people they'll be like oh my god that sounds awful okay i get it but the principle is is that you're helping them become better you're helping them make more money you're helping their brand progress you're not basically saying oh no 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 all, all the stuff goes to our own you know all the stuff goes to our brand and our company media channels you're not allowed to talk about it because actually that's the worst marketing ever a lot of people don't realize that the um literally was talking to someone yesterday um if your staff um, share your social media stuff uh, that lead converts seven times higher than if you do it yourself yep yeah because people buy from people and people now don't trust advertising they don't trust all these other things anyway but they trust people that they know so actually your important marketing channel is actually your employees if you're if you're a large enough organization you're lucky enough to do it you're most important you know the most important people are your people but actually even now in marketing if they put it on twitter if they share it on instagram that's more powerful than if you do yeah, so yeah, yeah. think about it but lots of leaders yeah, yeah. Lots that's, of that's think about that. 
guys. That's exactly the conversation we were having another night on the circle of influencers. Um, it's about that. But how do you how do you balance that with actually doing the work then? Because you know, so if somebody's constantly on Instagram, or whatever, and so they don't um, or perceive to not actually getting the job done. So how how do you find that balance? Well, again, this is another thing that blows people's minds, but it really shouldn't. It's just objective based. It's just objective based working. You know, I mean, I, I, we do this in tech all the time. If I'm paying a developer to do something, I'll work out the spec before we, you know, we take them on. And then it's up to them. If they come up with a really clever way of doing it, which only takes them an hour, I'm still going to pay them the same amount of money than if they said it took them a day. So we've got to kind of get rid of this kind of presenteeism and this idea. So obviously, as a, as a good leader or as a good uh, team leader, you'd sit down and you have your quarterly reviews, you have whatever, but you'd also talk to them about what do you want out of life? How can we both get there? And also, this is what you need to give me in this job. Your job is to do this. That's what I need you to do, yeah, which is awesome. We're going to make sure that you're on it. And by the way, my job is to help you get there. So my job is to help train you. If you, you, know, if you, if you don't feel you've got the training, well, I'll give you more training. Your job is to get them better. But I think you've got to go objective-based because otherwise you do get into this kind of weird gray area, which is what was, what's happening at the moment where a lot of people are saying, you've got to come back to the office because I need to see you. I need to be able to see what you're doing, which of course is nonsense because we've been more productive. A lot of sectors are more productive working from home, which is why you've got this wonderful, this is why the revolution's happening because people aren't going back to the offices because they don't have to, because actually it's better for them, life, work balance, mental health, the rest of it. But of course, people also want to meet each other. So you're seeing people now that are going back two days a week yeah. and people are still missing the point of how revolutionary that is because you're only in the office two days a week. Now, this can't be for everybody, of course. I'm not saying that you can do remote farming. I'm not saying that is the case, yeah? But I think you'd be surprised, you're talking about from a, an individual job point of view, if you make them happy and engaged at work, yeah, then people work harder anyway. So productivity is the bit. And if they're more productive, your job is not to give them more work to do. Your job is to make them happy. So when they're more productive, they also do some social media stuff. Because basically, you'll just do it naturally. Like, if, you are you know, if you're telling a story about how fantastic it is to work at a place, you just do that naturally because it's a nice thing to do. That's a great company culture to create. Now, I'm, again, I've got to be careful with words and I've got, to care, I've got to be careful of taking it from marketing and bringing it instantly into agriculture. But there is the potential. I think you'll all know different brands in, in your sector which are more personable and are more likable. Now, you know, is that, has that been created by a marketing person or has that been created by just a nice person who's good at marketing? I don't know the answer, but I can, put, I can definitely pick out things like in different sectors where you can see that the, the leader is a nice person. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. agree. Just go back to the training development side. Just give us a bit of a steer on it. When you're having that, that quarterly review, six monthly review, or just a, a, a walk around, around the yard and you want to, do you, do you be prescriptive to that person and say, I think you need this sort of training? Or is it a bit like uh, you mentioned about being a dad, trying to encourage a kid to do a particular sport and they go, no, I'm not doing that. And you realise, you, you, well, actually, you've got to go with what they want to do. do should you be asking that open question to that, that uh, team member? What training do you think you, you would like that's going to better you in life, but also for, for your work? What would you like? Do, do you think that's the right right way to go? Or that's, that is exactly, I mean, what you're talking about there, Max, is exactly why we built your flop. So your flop allows you to do weekly feedbacks and ask those kind of open questions about, you know, but it's, it's tied around values. So the your flop system works out the values of the individual, then does a, like a little culture map. And then you can, you know, and also the things you're talking about there is a, is a weekly uh, feedback mechanism that you can then, you know, the team leader then gets the information. So 
for example, I know your flock, one of our core values is caring. And so each week it might say, oh, how's the team become more caring this week? You know, caring is important to you, Dan, or I'm autonomous as well. There's lots of different ones. Uh, but it gives me the opportunity to then feedback to, the, to the, my team leader, uh, to yeah. Michal, who's my boss as well as my co-partner. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of why we built it, because the idea of doing this every quarter is really dangerous. Yeah, if you're doing it every quarter, or even worse, you're doing it every year. I mean, good Lord, just imagine every, or just imagine, we just talked about how quickly things are changing and it's going to get quicker and quicker and quicker. And you do a quarterly review around someone's job, a yeah. quarterly review scale, a yearly, well, that's suicidal because what, what's changed in a year? Well, they might, you know, they've, they've had a child, they've, you know, yeah. like, everything could better change in a year. Going out there, yeah. the whole world could have changed. Yeah? Or they could have left in, you know, so there's, there's a real thing and I've just got to be careful again. So, you know, because it's, again, it's different for different sectors, but there's a real danger that we take out the humanity part of stuff and we forget that actually we're all human beings trying to live through stuff together you know like right now times are hard yeah we know in the uk times are going to be hard and they're a bit tricky but also you've got to make sure that your staff can become more resilient but you've also got to help them as well so if you're only doing quarterly reviews just imagine that if you were doing a quarterly review with your team at the moment you've got to do weekly i think at the moment you've got to try to ask them so to answer your question sorry from a training point of view absolutely yes it, you, you would say to them, what kind of training do you think that you would need? Then, of course, you've got the right as the employer as well to say, oh, brilliant. We'll put you on that course. Oh, by the way, I'd really like you to do this one as well, because, yeah. you know, your job role is this. And therefore, it'd be great yeah. if you got better at that, because, hey, I want you to become the best of that that there is. Brilliant. Therefore, yeah. let's do yeah. that, too, because yeah. you can do yeah. both. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's, it's the old joke. The CEO and the CFO is, you know, the CFO moans about how much you spend on training. And the CEO knows that if you don't spend that on training, you know, you're not going to have a company. So, you know, <laughs> CFO won't have a job. So, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And it always feels like with, with this, this leadership role, we've got to find another, another word for it. This management role, we've got to find another word for it. it you're, you're just, you're looking after your own flock, to, to use your, your expression. You're just gauging, seeing where, where they are. You, you've got, oh, I've got to use my jingoistic term. You've got that golden thread of the training development. They're all on. But you, you can, you, you're just checking in with them all the time to see how, how they, they're getting on. Um, but but without being too on top of them, but also knowing that they, there's an open door for, for so so again it comes back to those better businesses that will attract more people and um, as, as such those those people that you bring in will be able to manage the people that they're bringing in and then it's this lovely virtuous circle. Yeah yeah no that's the that's the spiral up. I think I think I, just knowing about feedback, I think Isaac had a question. He, his hand went up, but I don't know if that was because he was pushing a button or, or whether he had a question. <laughs> That's right. Answer this one first, uh, Dan, and I'll come back on, on that. <laughs> it is, it's exactly that. It's the virtuous cycle of feedback mechanisms that you've got to try to create. I mean, that's the reality of it. And that, by the way, that is a full-time job. So I'm going to go back to what Isaac was saying before about that is the job, because that is a full-time job. If you think you can, you can do all this plus another role, and I don't get me wrong, I work for a startup and I have several hats that I have to wear, and yet that's just part and parcel of it. But if you're a an established business, let's say, and I'm presuming most people on the call are quite an established business. Yeah. yeah. And you're not taking this role seriously enough about protecting and helping your people either employ somebody else to do it because it's a, it's a real thing or to change and take it on yourself. And by the way, please, please, please use technology to help you. You know, I'm not saying you've got to become this amazing, but that's one reason why we built your flock, for goodness sake. You know, it makes it easier to do it for you. So it saves you hours of time because that's technology. But that's the whole point of technology. So it's not just about your flock. There are things like, you know, if you haven't got a project management tool, you've got to have a project management tool. You've got to have a whole suite of this technology that you'll need. Just like 
in marketing, it used to be that, you know, you could potentially maybe 20 years ago, you could have one guy doing the marketing, one lady doing the marketing. Now, because of digital and data and everything else, it's got so big, you, everybody has to have a toolkit of different things. I use, I use about 16 different tools in my marketing, but that's because you have to. You can't do it all yourself, yeah? Now, you bring in the, you know, like every farm might have a data scientist in the next, in a five yeah. years time, you know, like, because it's a role, it's a thing, it's a, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is the reality. Now, if you don't and you let AI do it, that's a danger as well, because you might not know anything about AI and therefore, how would you know the machine is telling you the truth? Yeah. Now, that's a risk. That's a business risk. Yeah, that's a business risk you're going to do. That's a weakness of the project. So you might have a halfway home, which is what we do in marketing at the moment. You have everything that collects the data, but you also have a data scientist. That's what we do at your flock. I mean, your flock technically now has a machine learning system behind it, which is which is doing cool stuff. But we just we, we had to put in 100 grand to, to build that system. So, but we decided that the best way to do that is to build the system with a data scientist, create the system, and then you don't need a data scientist later on. But, you know, I did promise I wouldn't rant about the future too much. And I think I just did. So I'm going to stop that bit because I don't want to scare everyone. But, you know. That, that was a question I had. It was a question I had earlier, Dan. Hmm. So, you know, currently farmers have got all this knowledge. You're talking about the knowledge and, and it's being, in some places, superseded by data. But so how do you find that balance? How do good companies use the data but still use the kind of old knowledge, if you like? Yeah, that is... Yeah. Okay. That's a really, really, really great question. It literally is a you know the, the twenty-four trillion dollar question. You know, when do we hand over all this stuff to the machines? Is a really good point. Now, I, I I can tell you now, right now, that AI systems are not as clever as people think. I can absolutely guarantee you that's the case. Don't believe the hype. You know, the hype cycle. You know, I I you know we've got to be careful. We've got to keep humans in the system right now. I think for at least another five years. Yeah. Uh, if your business is five years behind the times with everybody else, well, maybe it might be a bit longer. But at some point, you need to be able to say, okay, there's so much data now that it's impossible for me to do by myself. Yeah, which is okay, by the way, because it's like the same with me with marketing. Like I did the other day, a couple of scary things happened to me the other week. Um, one of them is I saw how great the, I don't know if you ever, guys have ever seen Dali. Uh, the DALI 2 G is DMPT3, the model. Basically, there's an AI model, um, and I'll, I, I can send you some links for it so then everyone can kind of do some uh, behind the scenes kind of learning. Okay, so, so AI was meant to never be able to do art because art is a human function. So, you know, a, a, computers could not understand the process of subjectively creating an art piece. This is the idea, by the way, because computers are just like calculators. Yeah. However, AI systems now can create, not only can they you know, guess cardiac arrest quicker than a doctor can. But, and it's now an Apple Watch for crying out loud, it, you know, it has a potential to then to guess when you're going to be in trouble and then and then do a telephone call. That just happened in the new, the new Apple Watch. I mean, insane. It's gone through the FDA approval. It's a thing. It's a real thing. It's on your wrist. That's like 300 quid. Anyway, um, so the AI, well, that's not AI, that's machine learning. So the AI systems now can now start creating artwork. Now, when I did my TEDx talk about six months ago or so, that artwork wasn't great. It was okay, but it's quite pretty. Uh, you can use a thing called Dream and have a look at some stuff. Um, but now if you look at Dali 2, the artwork is insane. And all you do is you type out what you want the computer to create and it creates it. Yeah, so it's one sentence and it creates this thing for you, right? So now loads of graphic designers are panicking because you can type in pretty much anything into Dali 2 and it'll make it. Now, gets even worse, gets even more funky. If you do this with words, not in Dali 2, but in the thing called GMPT3, um, you do this with words, and you can create blogs and content and you can create that content within like seven minutes and the machine does it for you. So you literally to the extent of, Max, to the extent of you'll just put in a keyword like, I don't know, 
first called farming. Then it'll find you those keywords associated with it. And then you put those bits in there. You click literally three or four buttons and it will create a five, a 500 word piece that it stitches together from everything on the internet and just does it in front of you. Yeah. So loads of marketeers at the moment are using copy AI and content AI and then charging people for the content because that's what they used to write because we used to write content, but the machine now writes it for us. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 we're, so we're already at the point. Now that's not even talking about programmatic buying and other things you can create. But if you can imagine you have a DALI system which creates the graphic design stuff, you have content AI that creates the words, you have something else that does like striking and does the website, that's a self-contained system. By the way, this is an analogy for farming. Yeah, yeah I this, totally is the, this is purpose. That's what I was going to ask, Dan, is bring it back to farming. So what, are, you know, what about these things do you see in agriculture in the next five years, 10 years? And what's it that excites you about it that, that we can bring back to agriculture? Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, pretty much everything excites me about agriculture in the next 10 years, because I think it's just going to be absolutely insane what's going to happen. As I said before, I think biggest danger is the fact you have technology companies that come in and own all of it without you realising what's happening. It happens a bit too late. You know, so look at stuff like, and I know it, people might roll their eyes and things, but you're looking at stuff like vertical farming. You, know, you look at the ability to start, we can start growing food in different places. You look at you know, AI systems and the data banks and the 5G stuff. And then I just talked about there, the, that's the, that was the metaphor, the complete system inside itself. And of course, I'm sure everyone on the call knows. So, you know, the whole agro, is it called, ag, is it called aquaponics systems where you can then use fish, Aquaponics and aquaponics, hydroponics. Okay, yeah, and hydroponics, yeah. right. So, but you can also then use the fish to do the fertilizer, yep. which grows the fish, which does the thing, which does the thing, which made the food, da, da, da. But, and if it's all inside its own system, inside a greenhouse powered by solar power. Yeah, now, yeah. you could go, oh, but that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen on Mars. Yeah, but that's exactly why there's so much money in going into it, because that might be the stuff that happens on, you know, on, on the moon. Cool. Yeah. But just imagine if you're using 95% less fertilizer and water and everything else inside its own system yeah. that creates a product that you then stand back from and the AI system works out, that's a license to print money. And yeah. it's literally your competitive advantage. It's the same as having the printing press and realizing you can print dollars off it. Yep. You know, yep. you know, and you know, and the, the question will be, and this is why I think it's fascinating, is food scarcity and this, this, you know, I think it's called food security in your industry. Yeah, This whole food security piece, this should be done by governments, but it should be done massively by governments. Like they should be just spending fortunes now because what we don't want to happen is, you know, the, I'm not going to talk about the walls and other things, but you know, it's, we need to be able to eat food. Yeah, just like we need power and electricity yeah. So you know, there's basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs we need in the world. And one of them is going to be food. The other one's energy. Energy can come from solar power. Yes, that's, that might be cool. And some other things that we need to do a lot more than fracking, et cetera. But if you look at the self-contained systems, that principle might be something that you can do on mass, on scale, not as a complete self-contained system, but certainly taking the principles of that, because that cuts, that brings down your cost, which yeah. increases your profits, yeah. which is exciting. <laughs> I think. Je, je, we're just we're just uh, slightly running out of time but the, your philosophy dan is is spot on um isaac what about that great example of the likes of jcb jcb um i think it was uh oh, three four generations ago dan they were but farmers um and um uh, mr bamford started making trailers and now you look at them today and they're one of the the uk's largest agriculture agricultural and um 
construction companies of uh, of, uh, of of machinery on, on on a global basis. So so what, what am I saying with that? That perhaps people dialing in today, perhaps they've got this answer if they can adopt what you're stating in the way of seeing the technology, adopting it for for to to solve this uh, the problem that they see the perceived problem, um, and using the leadership skills that you've um, intimated, they've got the potential to grow a great business. Isaac, do you think? Definitely, definitely. I, I think the, the answers are amongst amongst the people listening in and, and amongst everybody. So that it's 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 those people with those ideas and pursuing them, I guess. And that's what what gives people the confidence to pursue them. Well done. And, and Dan, just just before we wrap up, we, I just want to hear it from you again, from you, from your perspective, with all of your. Um, insight and wider wider industry and wider technology you are excited about farming about agriculture you see a bright future i see a bright future but i also see a future which is going to change so quickly for lots and lots of people that, that everyone has to get on board right now it's not something that's going to happen like next year the year after it's already happening by the way you know so if you're on the call and you're thinking oh i'm not 100 percent sure for goodness sake spend this afternoon finding out what's going on in the world because it's already happening yeah but i honestly believe that with the right mindset well i said five years ago and i hate to quote myself at the end but i'm so egotistical i will but with the right people and the right technology you take over the world but with the wrong people and the wrong technology that world takes over you and i said that five years ago and i'm, I'm pretty still happy with that as a quote uh you know it's still it stands it's going to stand the test of time so i think what you've got to really do is Maybe just take a bit of a step back. Always have a bit of a breather. You know, be careful of the hype curve because we could all get too excited. But this bit now, we're, we're, we're past the hype curve. You know, it's, it's now the plateau of productivity. If yep. you are still thinking, oh, should I be using drones? Should I look into robots? Goodness sake, please do that now before Amazon decide to buy land. Yep. Because that's what will happen. So protect yourselves by, by investing in technology now, but it, not even necessarily investing in it investing in the time for you to find out about it and for you to get excited about it. Because if you as a leader aren't excited about the technology change, nobody else in your team will be. Yeah. And so then you're going to have people who are like, oh, no, I'm, I'm the same as the boss. We don't believe in social media. We don't believe in technology. We don't believe in electricity. Well, good luck with that. Because if you don't believe in electricity or you know petrol, you know <laughs> we know how farming changed when those things came about. So let's not kid ourselves. Farming's used to revolutions i mean goodness you, you know you own one of them it's called the agricultural revolution you, you own one of them already and you had the green revolution now it's most probably the technology revolution yeah damn well done um i say i think we've, we've learned so much from from dan today and especially if you think of the the, the people either in physical farming or the ancillary sectors they know it they un understand it and so to adopt everything that dan has, uh, has has stated to look to create success either within existing businesses or to be brave and, and look to create something some, something that themselves or, or and with a group of people. Isaac, the, the future would look to be bright. It's brilliant. Um, really, really enjoyed today. Thank you very much, Dan. If you want to see more of Dan, um, we are uh, having Dan back for the AgriLeader Forum on the 7th and 8th mm -hmm. of February. So we'll see you there. And also, um, we are on the 10th of November. So we've got the Delivering the Future um, meeting. So a meeting for levy payers and industry to see the direction of travel for, for AHTV. So make sure you sign up for that and join us on the 10th of November to find out uh, the direction of travel for AHTV. Thank you very much, Dan.
and, and just 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 to wrap up, I think it's just worthwhile mentioning that uh, Dan, you you won't be perhaps aware of this. The Farmers Weekly they they uh, ran an, uh, a competition in the year two thousand as to the best piece of farming equipment that had been invented in the uh, first hundred years um, leading up to to the year two thousand. And uh, drum roll, I thought it was going to be the combine. It was actually the mobile phone, and and so that was the year two thousand. Look where we are now, twenty two years. There you go. So everything that you've said is all about technology and leadership. And that's why we need to adopt your thinking and to make a success out of this, uh, this marvellous sector that we're all in. Dan, you've been fantastic. Isaac, Isaac, you've been brilliant as always. We'll see you at the next one. And Dan, we look forward to seeing you in February in person. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Very excited to do it. And uh, I'll see you all there. And thanks, Max. And thanks, uh, Isaac, as well. Of course, lovely to be here. Thanks, everyone. OK. And, and Dan, before we go, who's the, who's the uh, world's best football team? Um, Manchester City, apparently, but we lost oh. to Liverpool, so I'm not going to mention that. Okay, boom. <laughs> <laughs> well done, chaps. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.